I'm not the house of cards that falls down easily Ooh, I'm strong enough to handle what you throw at me Welcome to Mental Health News Radio. I'm your host, Kristen Sunanta-Walker. Just what are we going to discuss? The intimacy that is mental health. Let's continue to make it as comfortable as discussing brain health or heart health. This show has been on the air for several years and we have amazing co-hosts. And then we created a network of podcasters on mentalhealthnewsradionetwork.com, a place where every possible facet of mental well-being can be talked about openly. My show, after several hundred interviews, the format is this. Intimate, deep, funny, touching, sometimes uncomfortable, but always vulnerable conversations with interesting people. The goal is to have you, our listening family, many of you who have become my good friends, feel as though you are listening in on private conversations. Thank you for tuning in and becoming part of this amazing journey with me and now with our network of podcasters. Just knowing this podcast might be helping any of you realize you are not alone on this journey called being a human being makes doing this podcast worth every second. Hey everyone, Kristen Sinanta Walker here, and we are doing our Character Matters series with Dr. George Simon, and we have a special guest. Sherry Simon is joining us, and Sherry, is it a Dr. Sherry Simon as well? Yes, it is Dr. Sherry Simon. I'm a clinical psychologist, Kristen. We have two clinical psychologists, both doctors, married to each other, on our show, and we're going to talk about the character of a healthy relationship. And what's interesting about this is Dr. Simon is, well, I should say Dr. George Simon is, is, you know, as you all know, wrote in sheep's clothing and, um, you know, his specialty is in uh, character disorders. And Dr. Sherry Simon works with the often spouses and partners and other people affected by those people that have character disorders. So we have such a great perspective tonight. But George, Sherry, thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, our pleasure, Kristen. We've Thank been looking you. forward to it. <laughs> yeah, and uh, you two get along well because we had a nice chat before the show, and I can tell like full unison here. <laughs> well, today, yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Got you on a good night. Yeah. <laughs> After 37 years, you know, you have your days. You're That's up right. and down. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I have an ex-husband who's my best friend and we've been in each other's lives for 32 years. Um, And he's literally, we're each other's best friend. So I, I know all about the length of. (laughs) You understand. Yes. Oh boy. Oh boy. Yes. Yes, exactly. So I, I wanted to get into, and we'll talk about this more. There's no way that we can encompass the character of a healthy relationship in one show, but we can start with it. And I thought we could start with how ill-prepared people are still for what marriage really is or what a, a healthy relationship, the work that it takes to make a relationship and keep a relationship healthy. People still think, oh, Prince Charming, last slipper, I get, I'm get, i getting married, la la la, Fantasy Island. And then they're absolutely shocked when 
all their childhood wounds pop up <laughs> all over the place. <laughs> so I thought, you know, we could start there with sort of that, that uh, ill preparedness and kind of, you know, branch off from that. So what do you, what do you think, George? Well, I, th I think that uh, you just hit the nail on the head uh, there with the idea of the preparedness that folks have for the work that's involved. I, I understand that uh, Sigmund Freud was asked one time, if you could say that there was one ingredient for mental health, what would you say it was? And he said, the capacity to love and to work. And he said, by the way, you can't separate the two. Um, and I think what he meant by that is that um, love is real love is is not a sentiment. It's a behavior. Yeah. Uh, it, it it calls for action. Uh, other, otherwise, you wouldn't need a command for it. And if it were easy, you also wouldn't have to command anybody to do it. Uh, and it's the great command. So um, loving is work, but it's a it it's a labor of love. It it, mm. it 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 is it is when you get it really the source of a lot of great joy, but it demands sacrifice, it demands some selflessness. Uh, it demands that you kind of uh, forget yourself for a minute and invest yourself in somebody else's welfare and the dividends are immense. Yes, and Kristen, if I can add to that, you know, I think one of the difficulties when people first fall in love and decide they want to spend the rest of their lives together is that the feelings that they experience are those sentiments that George is talking about. It's a feeling you've fallen in love and you believe that that is going to carry you through for the rest <laughs> of your life, that, that you can live in that emotion. And, it, you know, it's so sad because we don't realize when we first start out that that's something that we call an egoic state. That's all about us getting our egos built up and feeling so wonderful that we're so loved and, and we have someone who thinks we're so uh, incredibly wonderful. That lasts for, what do you think, Kristen, about six months, maybe a year. Uh, and, then, and then you're left with reality. Reality <laughs> reality hits and, mm -hmm. and you don't have any skill sets yet to actually live with this other person who has seen you get up every morning and you don't look like that person that you look like when he first met you. So, right. And you now are, you know, sharing a bathroom and all kinds yeah, of interesting things that you're like, oh, that wasn't what we did when we first met. <laughs> you know, Kristen, uh, Kristen one, one, one thing that I hear very frequently from folks who have uh, experienced deep wounds within their relationship uh, because um, they had these tremendous emotions like Sherry was talking about earlier at the front end of their relationship. And they thought that that would carry them. But uh, one of the things that really got those emotions going was the interest that the other person showed in them. And one of the, one of the things that I've learned about partners of character disordered people, especially narcissists, is narcissistic individuals could have great interest in someone at the beginning oh, goodness, of the relationship. Yeah. They see something they want to possess. They, they see something of value 
and they think, boy, you know, if I had this, this would make me look really, really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so the, the the person who's vulnerable is the person who mistakes that interest for regard. You know, yes. they, 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 they their emotions get swept away with, you know, he or she really, really likes me. They re- And that m- must mean that they really care for me. Well, it doesn't work that way. And unfortunately, sometimes it takes too many years to find that out and uh, and a broken heart. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Yes, I've had a couple of those. Yeah. <laughs> it's a thing the heart heals, isn't it? So it can be broken again sometimes. But, uh, yeah, it, it does get better. But along that line uh, uh, about what George said about uh, people marrying and both coming into the relationship with their childhood wounds. One thing that I found, Kristen, that's so fascinating to me, I don't know how people manage to do it. I know it's unconscious, but when they first marry, somehow they they are often able to pick that person unconsciously who has the key uh, to actually working on um, healing those childhood wounds, often for one another. Yes. I'm not really talking about the narcissist, perhaps the completely character disordered person, because that's just a very difficult person to deal with. But usually folks who are just neurotic and have our, you know, our normal emotional problems, somehow we manage to pick that person who, if we can get past the romantic stage and really get into the communication and the listening and the the respect that it takes to really hear one another out, we find that that we share some things in common, that we have some issues that we can begin to to relate to in one another and have compassion for one another um, and then begin to see that we can actually, with that other person, work through what sometimes are very similar issues together. Yeah, exactly. That 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 piece exactly. You're you're there doing it with a buddy. I remember finally in a therapy session with my ex-husband, he opened up and said some things that I was like, why didn't you ever tell me these things? But he said them, you know, in front of me with the therapist. And, you know, they were, they were truthful and they were not very attractive things about me, (laughs) but I felt so close to him. I, this, it wasn't even, uh, it was, it was better than that first in love stuff that we had. I just felt so deeply, I was vulnerable. I was so vulnerable because I was embarrassed but it was the truth. And I mean, I wanted to jump on him right there and say, let's leave and go to the bedroom. I mean, and you know, that was part of our problem, but, but it was amazing that when you have that, it's that vulnerability that you risk with this other person and, and it being safe to do so that um, is what I think is the fire. You did such a powerful thing. You listened to him and your walls Mm -hmm. didn't go up. And you took right. the chance to really take that in and look at it. And it's a rare thing that people can do because it's so threatening. And isn't that really true? That, And I think Sherry would agree with me because uh, we've had not only many experiences with different couples that we've counseled and whatnot, but we've had our own experiences. Yes. I think where you find each other is in your vulnerability. That's when you really begin to see each other. 
But when you when you um, when you work through the pain that's underneath all the defenses, and when you when you when you recognize what's really underneath some of the conflicts, and maybe even some of the distance sometimes, when you work through that, and when you witness, when you bear witness to somebody's vulnerability, yes. they're just we are all souls searching for mm-hmm. our way home. This gets mm-hmm. into the spiritual uh, aspect. And as soon as we recognize that, as soon as we meet each other on that level, then we really begin to connect. And so sadly, sometimes it takes a great hurt in a marriage to allow those defenses, those walls, or that presentation of perfection to come down. And I think that that's so important. It's most people don't get past that big hurt to yeah. get to side of it you know Kristen that's the hard thing oh man I thought it was so interesting Michael called these the frozen years um the 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 two years after we split up um because he had he had an affair well that wasn't really why we split up we split up because we were both really messed up the affair was just a a symptom of it. And um, so we had our frozen years and then we came back to each other. And I really learned so much about, okay, this is, this is like forgiveness. And I got to a place where I went, I went through all those stages, you know, uh, spying on him to see where he was going, looking at his phone, look at, you know, I had, there's the stages and that's what you go through when you have that kind of a, an issue in a relationship. And then I finally got to this really great place of, you know, I don't think that that kind of thing would happen again because of where we are now. We learned what we needed to learn from that. And I'm just not going to put my energy towards being consumed by something like that. Right. Yeah. 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 You, we, we can let our pain entrap us. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and we can let it uh, basically run our lives. And oh, yeah. I, I think this is the magic of forgiveness. I think I think that forgiveness is more than just uh, it's more than just uh, it's not giving somebody a pass. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, it's it's not looking the other way, and it's certainly not laying down like a doormat. And letting mm-hmm. somebody uh, abuse you or walk all over you—it's uh, not that at all. It's just not letting it control the gate to your heart. Oh, that's what we so do when we're, what we do when we're wounded is yeah. is that we we put up those barriers to loving, and if we're not loving, yes. we're not living. And if we're yeah. not living and loving, we might just as well be dead because spiritually. We already are dead. Right. There's a, you know, George and I actually happen to both be Catholic and we we tend to follow the um, blogs and meditations of this one particular priest, uh, Father Richard Rohr. And he has a wonderful way of looking at that. He says that all of our spirituality is determined by how we handle our pain. And the Mm. secret of that is certainly not to push it outwards onto somebody else. Right. But also what people don't realize is don't put it at yourself either. Don't torture yourself or guilt yourself or, you know, keep yourself down with your your self-criticism. 
Because unless you figure out how to transform that pain and actually sit in it for a while and learn something about yourself so that you can come to that relationship a little more informed, if you don't transform it, you're going to transmit it to other people in your life without. Oh, pain. yeah. You oh, know, yeah. I, I did. I've done plenty of that myself. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, and I think sometimes, my goodness, you know, here, here are 32 years and a child, we both only have one child and that child together and all this time, and he still drives me absolutely <laughs> bananas. Today, I rolled my eyes three times while he was trying to help me do something uh, with a webcam because he's not where I'm located and I'm rolling my eyes and he's like, I can see you rolling your eyes. <laughs> <laughs> but the stuff that we get, we just don't get angry with each other about things like we used to. We still do annoying things, but it it's we don't take it personally like we did before because yeah. we we've been through every kind. I mean, this that's what I the point I, I think for me is it, part of it is that you go into this partnership and you're going to experience life. So there's going to be maybe money problems, problems with children, problems with sex, problems with family, maybe uh, an affair, maybe substance abuse. I mean, you're going to go through what we humans all go through, but you're doing it with a mirror yeah. that's sitting there with you. And if you get through all that stuff that happens and you still have love for each other, that is woo. And it is not built on fantasy Island. It's love from like a lot of pain. <laughs> that's right. I think Kristen, you just uh, really said something that, uh, uh, that resonates perhaps more than anything else. And that is if it's really love, I mean, if it's really love, it's there forever. Yes. Yes. If it's really love, you know. Um, I, I think you need to define what that what you're talking about there a little more with that, because I think you're right. Well, help George. me out with that. Uh, because <laughs> I, 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 I'm, I'm struggling with eloquence here. Uh, I, I'm not sure exactly how to say what I'm trying. To well, so they say, you know, that love is not an emotion. Love is a verb. Right. Yeah. It's, yeah. a, it's what we do with yeah. one another. It's yeah. it's how we are with one another. Yeah. It's what we say. Uh, but right. it's it's uh, it's everyday actions. And, you know, Kristen, what you're talking about, right? The, even the rolling of the eyes or the <laughs> just the little things. I mean, now that you all handle one another, you found a way to to be with one another. That's not so painful. OK, so you're helping to pull it out here. So, you know, so maybe you hurt me. Um, Am I going to hurt you back? Right. Right. Am, am I going to extract some retribution? Oh, you know, gosh, that's so. This oh, is yeah. what, you know, we, we have all these beautiful poetic definitions of love. Uh, for Christians, you know, it's Paul's discourse uh, on it in, in, uh, in Corinthians. Mm -hmm. uh, and it has to have deeper meaning. It has to come. Mm -hmm. You have to get that in your heart. You can't just read those words. If it's really love, what you want is for the other person to be okay, That's to be right. well. Mm -hmm. And yes, maybe they did something to hurt you. Maybe it was even on purpose. <laughs> uh, 
uh, <laughs> most of the time it's inadvertent. But if it's real love, if there's really love there, um, it goes hand in hand with forgiveness. Mm-hmm. It does. And, and wisdom of the ages takes a huge role and not being passive aggressive. Because when you said right. that about fighting back, I do think, I mean, I was, Michael was getting irritated with me too. <laughs> and, sure. um, and, but I can't even fathom him ever doing something on purpose to try to get at me, hurt my feelings. He does stuff not on purpose. <laughs> and same here, but in his heart, his heart is that he would never do that anymore. He, we both did a long time ago, but age, wisdom, been through so much stuff, um, so deeply connected. Uh, we have a friendship. We would never do something purpose. I just can't even fathom it. It wouldn't even occur to him or to me to do that. We just wouldn't do it. But we have. Right. Yeah. And and to be clear again, for anybody that might be processing uh, what we're saying here, once again, we're not saying that you're a doormat. And we're no. not saying that when somebody repeatedly does things to hurt or to exploit to use and abuse. We're not saying that uh, love means that you don't draw some boundaries and you don't set some limits and you don't take care of yourself because you know you can't love yourself that way. I mean that you inflict right. abuse basically on yourself. That's not yeah. what we're saying. what we are saying. However, is that the damage to your own heart, this is what I'm trying to say anyway, the damage to your own heart is when you let that pain enslave you, when it let, when you let it govern you, when you let it take hold of you so that it has you in, your, in, in its grasp and you can't let it go. And the other thing that I realize, and I, I, I can say this from experience of my own in the past, Sometimes when when the hurt is is uh, deep, when the wound is deep, I think we 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 put our we set our minds to trying to undo. You know, sometimes you can't believe something that's happened, right. uh, or you can't believe a person would do such a thing, and then you think, uh, you know, this is too much to bear. This is too much yeah, to bear. Oh yeah. And so you tr- you try basically to undo it, and there are many things that you can do. From a psychological perspective, to, to, we can to, convince ourselves of just about anything. You <laughs> yes, <we> can. <laughs> I know, I know, no one likes commercials, but seriously, folks, without the help from these organizations, we could not stay on the air. Please give a shout out to zencharts.com. If you're a mental health or addiction treatment center, you'll want to use their EHR. It's gorgeous. And they're just good people. And also MyGenetics, M-Y-G-E-N-E-T-X.com, because knowing your genetic code empowers your mental health treatment. And lastly, CopeNotes.com. We love getting positive messages right to our phones every day from Johnny Crowder. He's the lead singer of Prison, a heavy metal band sharing their music about suicide prevention, addiction recovery, and mental health. 
See, that was painless. Support them as they support us. Back to the show. You know, and yeah. I, I think I think from what you're saying there, George, with that, it, it's so important to realize that in that degree of pain, when you're hurting that badly, sometimes you just want the other person to understand how badly you're hurting. Yeah. And you'll do almost anything to yeah. try to get them to understand or right. to right. get the point across. And unfortunately, sometimes the things, you know, we try to do to get the person to understand are, are the undoing part, the destructive part. And that never works. I mean, it just mm -hmm. never works. Yeah. Uh, I, I was also going to say associated with that, it's something George and I were talking about earlier today. The, it's so important when we're sitting, especially in the middle of some problem solving, like if something's happened and we've had a conflict and something's come up between us, a misunderstanding, it takes patience, I think, because it's so easy to judge very quickly what's going on in, in your partner or in another person on the outside, what it looks like it is. And so we so quickly, without listening, jump to conclusions and jump to our own thoughts about what's going on with that person or why they're doing what they're doing. And we judge. And I love that scriptural um, thought there to not judge quickly, to not judge at all. Because if you sit long enough with the person and let them continue to try to let you know what's going on, you'll after a while get to the inside of them. Mm -hmm. And that's when you get to the wounds. And that's when you get to Rather than the defenses, you get to the to the hurt. And and George said it earlier, that's where you connect in the pain because we all have it. Every mm -hmm. one of us has it. So. Isn't it interesting, too, when you go into a relationship and you, you know, you don't have these tools because many, <laughs> many people just don't know that they exist or that you should be told what marriage really means. Partnership really means before you go into it. But when you do, you know, you do go into it and you come out after many, many years and you've shared and shared and, and all that, um, the level of being able to be truly vulnerable and be truly intimate with that person is a direct reflection of the level of love and compassion you have for yourself and how intimate yes. you are with yourself. Oh, what a mouthful oh, there, Kristen. Words. <laughs> As a matter of fact, just, just before you mentioned that, I was trying to figure out how I would say uh, something that was on my mind about uh, relationships and dependency. Yes. Uh, and mm -hmm. um, it all has to do with self-worth. You know, we have these two different kinds of people. We have folks who come into a relationship unsure of their self-worth and they are looking for someone else to witness and validate them as a human being of worth and as i said many times they can mistake interest for regard but the heart and soul of dependency is needing somebody else yes. to confer that sense mm -hmm. of you're okay on right. you. Then you have other people that come to a relationship with an inflated sense of, of worth. They don't know where their worth comes from either. And I'm getting into the spiritual aspect now. Our worth 
comes from the breath of life breathed into all of us. Mm. Not one of us deserves to be here. This life is a gift. We didn't cause it and we didn't earn it. And the very fact, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm going to get a little melancholy here. One, one of my favorite Christmas hymns, probably my favorite all time Christmas carol is uh, O Holy Night. And my favorite line uh, from that song is when the till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. Mm. Because our worth comes from the very fact that life has been breathed into us. If we weren't valuable to the universe in some way, we wouldn't be here. And if we don't know that at a very deep level, I mean, it's going to go wrong in a relationship. I, I was going to say, no, I, most people aren't born. Well, I think maybe we're born knowing it. Then we learn differently. So yeah. we have yes. so much to unlearn. Right. Uh, well, our, as Yoda our, says, you must unlearn what you have learned. That's right. <laughs> yes. Our world tells us that we're supposed to, to do all of our tasks, whatever that culture tells us is important. And mm -hmm. it's, it's a structure. And I know that's very important for civilization. But we take it to extremes in regards to if we don't do it well enough, if we're not the best at it, at least in our culture, then our worth we're is defined worthy. as less. And that isn't true. Well, I think, too, what was interesting, what I found out, you know, through my son, he's 29 or our son. And he said to me, gosh, mom, you know, I didn't realize you and dad really um, hid from me how poor we were. And I was immediately insecure and, and I, it just struck me the wrong way. Uh, I felt like a bad parent. You know, what do you mean poor? I mean, we always lived in a nice place. Yeah, but we never owned our own home and, you know, da 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 da, da. And, you know, he's seeing it from his perspective. And I thought later, oh, my gosh, I, yes, I have been carrying around. Michael and I are both the scapegoated children. So we came into our marriage, these two scapegoats. We all, we just, it was ingrained in us that we were second-class citizens mm -hmm. because that's just, and I'm not blaming anyone for that at all. That's just how, where we, what we believed. And we, um, and yeah, we had our poor years, absolutely. But that was not a reflection of our character. And yet we thought that it was. So we operated constantly from a space of we are less than, we are undeserving, we are second, you know, all those things. And, and we were treated that way as well. And I thought, my God, how our, our marriage would have been so different if we'd had support, if people clapped and said, oh, I'm so glad. Oh, yeah, well, sometimes you have rough patches financially. That's the way it goes. We never heard any of that. It was just, oh. The two of you yeah and well, yeah. what a gift that your son gave you with his acknowledgement of his appreciation for it he now realizes mm -hmm. that you gave him uh, he, he he didn't realize right uh right. you didn't let him see uh into your own struggle uh and i i'm, I'm reminded i don't know the name of this football player but um uh, there's a popular 
video on the internet of this football player, pro, pro player, uh, talking about um, his grandmother who primarily raised him and how she always used to tell him that as the cook, she deserved the best part of the chicken. Whenever they'd have a, a, a meal of chicken, she deserved the, the neck bone. And he had to save that. He, he could have whatever he wanted, but that neck bone was hers because that was the best part. And the cook should always have the best part because she did all the slaving over the stove, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> and it took him to middle age to realize what she had done there. The neck bone, you know, she mm. she, she was feasting on, on the least meeting part. Yes. She had him convinced, basically, oh. that 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 she was had she that she was taking all the good stuff for herself, <laughs> and he didn't realize until midlife. And when he oh. when that realization came to him, and he had that understanding of the sacrifice that she made, it he he said it basically transformed his life. It's amazing when you watch your kids have those awakenings. It's like he goes, he finally at the end of this conversation that I'm having with my son, he said, mom, you always go to this place where you think you were such a bad parent. And what I'm trying to tell you is this, you, you, yes, you and dad had your moments, of course, like who, what, whose parents are perfect, but you're so much better parents than you guys think that you were. And you, and you almost try to like ruin my childhood by telling me what bad parents you were. Oh my God. <laughs> and I said, oh my God, I am so sorry. I will stop. <laughs> well, and, and strangely in the broader scope of things, Kristen, you could, you could strangely, right? Thank your parents for that mm -hmm. because you learned in the negative. Yes, you I did. learned what you didn't want to be. And yeah gave your son something entirely different and he was a witness to that that had to be a wonderful moment yeah we have the it's amazing when you have those moments with your kids and in relation to you know the character of a healthy relationship it's also your children it's it's all it's all kinds of people but especially when you're in a partnership where you've created children together it's not just your relationship between the two of you it's then now these people that you've you know helped usher into the <laughs> into the world and it's your relationship with them and the example of your self-love and your compassion and forgiveness and all those things of that other person that is on full display in front of your kids yeah. in your in uh, your experience uh Kristen, uh I'm, I'm very interested, and I, I, I know that this, this is the show where you're picking our brains, but I'm, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm very interested. Uh, you, you and your uh, ex-husband are, are now the best of friends. You have been the best of friends. Is that right? Yeah. Uh, and uh, what would you say, what would you say is the, is the biggest factor in that? What, are you, what, what did you realize about your relationship that, that made that? possible that I that he, he absolutely sees me in the the me inside that I don't always show to the world and he just 
loves me. I mean, he loves me. Um, for me, that's been the biggest um, factor because I didn't get that from parents. So in, he hates it when I say this because I was sexually abused by my father. So he's like, don't put me in anywhere near a father type role. But, you know, I've, I've told him it doesn't mean that he was that first healthy male figure for me and parent for me that um, just, you know, looked at everything I did and was like, wow, oh my gosh, wow. And, well, I, I think you, know. you get to a really important uh, point there, and that is so many folks who fall in love don't really know each other. Right. Uh, not, not, not deeply, don't really know who each other are. Who, who, uh, uh, what's on the inside. And as you mentioned before, so many of us don't really want to show. Uh, 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 Sherry and I have been, uh, we mentioned earlier we were Catholic, and we've been to some um, marriage enrichment uh, seminars that we call Marriage Encounter. And one of the things that we were writing out for for one of our presentations at one of these groups, I had to admit that uh, I kept most of myself hidden fairly deliberately because I just really just knew that if anybody were to see what was really there, they wouldn't like it. Mm. Disapprove. I, I, I had all these tapes from my own childhood about what it took to be acceptable, what it took to be lovable, uh, what it took to be worth a, a, a darn in this mm -hmm. world. And I thought, well, if anybody saw who I really was, they would just say, eh, see you later. And then unfortunately for decades, I did exactly <laughs> the same thing and, uh, in our marriage and uh, put my best foot forward as best I could. You know, you can't keep putting your best foot forward every day, but certainly not showing them the mess that I thought I was on the inside. So Kristen, I also loved what you said because when you get to the point where you know you're witnessed in a real way and loved yeah. in a real way, there's safety there, right? Yes. Yep. 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 There's yep. Yep. Safety yep. to grow your real self and with another person, which it, I really think that personal growth, we can't do that in a vacuum, right? We have to do it with <laughs> another person. So that safety to grow in the middle of that love, you know, with your ex-husband, that's got to be an amazing thing. Yeah. It is. It's what you would it's what you would have wanted as a child from your parents. He, he didn't have that either. And and so he had that from me. Um, he had a lot of yucky stuff for me, too, as I did from him, because we certainly brought our baggage. But that core thing of. We just love the soul of this other person. Um, that's what's kept it going all, all through many. And and I mean, you know, listeners, I want you to listen to this too. I mean, I mean, there were times when I realized, oh my gosh, I say my husband way too often. Um, I'm being, uh, I'm allowing myself to be defined by him and I need to learn how to, to define myself. And we went through periods where, you know, I would do a 30 day, I'm not, I just don't, I'm not going to have any contact with you. And I'd make a contract with him 
you know, that that was going to happen or I would take a trip and be gone for a couple months and we just wouldn't talk. And he wouldn't do those things with me, but he was so loved me enough to be like, this is what she needs to do. It really doesn't have anything to do with me. It's her working on defining and finding her own identity. So I'm going to just go be okay with her doing what she needs to do and hope she comes back. Yes. How he trusted you. That yes. You'd be back at the end of that 30 days. And I, and I did, of course. And then I, and I learned how to stop saying my husband, my husband, my husband about everything. And I started building this um, identity. I think another answer to that question is um, when you, when you find someone who really wants you to be all of who you can be. They don't want you to be an image of them or a reflection of them. They really or want you to. Or what yeah. you or, or serve your need. And that yes. that goes to the issue of, you know, you've got to want to really know somebody. Mm -hmm. Yes. you got to yeah. want to look under the surface to see who they really are, yes. to know who they really are. And 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 clear your yeah clear your eyesight of all the projections, all the things that we cast mm -hmm. upon people. We we so often think we know somebody based on what we observe and how we interpret it, but that doesn't mean we we really do know the person. Uh, and we have to really want to know before we can truly love. We've got to really uh, make it safe. Uh, what what we one of the things that we've learned through the ups and downs and trials of marriage is that people will people will reveal themselves but your partner will show you if it's safe um, and so uh, your job basically as a partner is to make it safe yeah you really want to know somebody make it safe for them to uh, say and reveal who they are so, Kristen, I'll tell you something real hilarious, but you'll understand this. I've been married to who I would think is probably one of the foremost experts on character disorder for 37 <laughs> years. Can you imagine why I might not want to expose any unhealthy quality? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's been doing this character <laughs> stuff since graduate school. <laughs> known him and it's like oh my gosh okay well he talks about this all the time i better stay far away from that picture i know i do that too i talk so much about this stuff i'm like i, I emailed one of my friends and i said i am so sorry that i didn't uh, you know, tight back the family issues that you're having. I made this email all about me. That's so narcissistic. <laughs> and, you know, she's like, all my friends are like counselors, of course. And she writes me back and she's like, Kristen, it's okay. And <laughs> stop thinking. You're, it's not possible that you have a personality. It just isn't yeah. possible <laughs> that you have a character disorder. So just stop it. And I'm like, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you listen to way too many people to have a character disorder. <laughs> yeah. Right. Oh, well, this has been so lovely. Do you mind if I read something to you that I wrote? I know this show is about you. I just want to 
we can we can edit this out if if you guys don't like it afterwards. But um, okay. I I had a very um, a deep conversation with Michael last night about what self love means, and we get into these intense conversations, and he picks my brain about about stuff. And then I wrote this. It's not finished yet, um, but I thought it was pretty good for somebody who grew up the way I grew up. Um, so are you okay with indulging me? Sure. I'd love to hear it. Okay. I said, um, you know, and we both were raised by extreme narcissists. So, um, okay. So we've had a cavalcade of them in our lives um, for quite a while, but uh People wanting, I found myself always having people around who want to distract me from realizing how much I do truly love myself. Because if I ever realized, or if or when I would realize how worthy I actually always have been, they wouldn't be able to use me anymore to hide from themselves. I've always wanted to know myself. I've always cared and loved myself confident in who I am. That does not mean I was always or am always happy, but I was consistently and systematically distracted from the notion that I believed I had tremendous value. The more personal housekeeping I did, the closer I got to the truth, which was never that I didn't love myself. It's that I always have and profoundly so. When, who would do all of this work, seeking and finding meaning in their pain, the pain we all at times have, that didn't have tremendous love and compassion for themselves? I just saw it upside down for a long time. I thought I've been constantly trying to learn how to love myself. I've actually just been waking up to the realization that I never haven't. Wow, beautiful. that is Beautiful. beautiful. Oh, my goodness. Wow. You just defined something, too, in the middle of that, that George and I have been talking about so much. You know, your childhood was not a happy childhood <laughs> but at all, uh, understatement. But um, one thing that you've learned or that you simply knew how to do was to find meaning in the pain and keep walking and keep yeah. searching and that's keep right. That's That's everything. Yeah. If you can find meaning in the pain that you have no control over and uh, that, that will increase that self-love. That's a beautiful piece of work, Kristen. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I, I just, I, I wrote it last night after talking to him and I thought I just reached another level. Yay. <laughs> right. And you, and, uh, and if I'm, if I might presume this, you know, you said that you wrote that after talking with him. Mm -hmm. Isn't that the magic of relationship? Yes. We need each other. Yes. The good, the bad, and the ugly. We mm -hmm. we all need each other. And even even some of those people that uh, you know we think of as not our best friends or our best relationship partners. Right. We need right. it all to grow. We need yes. each other. And there's something about the magic of relationship that brings yes. uh, out things in us that just can't happen any other way. So something about what you were discussing or experiencing when you were sorting some things out with him inspired you to go deep. Mm -hmm. And then the words came to you. 
They might mm-hmm. not have come to you otherwise. Right. Exactly. Exactly. They come out through languages. This is why I love, 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 love people that choose to go into the profession that the two of you chose to go in because that that la- the the relationship you create with your patient, um, the ability to do that to um, sit there with your own issues sometimes. Oh, yes. <laughs> cropping up and you still have to guide this patient and um and to have that be a career um is so you know my healthiest parents uh you know along with michael were the mental health professionals i i went to see and um so i just that's why i created this show my for my show really was a love letter to the mental health profession Wow. Kristen, if I can just ask you a quick question about that, you know, you've uh, you've worked so hard on yourself and you've been in therapy yourself working on these issues. What I was thinking as you were talking and when George asked that question and, and highlighted the importance of a relationship sort of bringing the energy for self growth. Mm-hmm. Do you think is it in part the having a witness to yourself, a, yes. a benign, loving, safe witness that, that sort of engenders this energy that, that grows you? What would you say? I do. However, it's not that you must have that because you're like narc- you know, narcissist yeah. where you have to look and see no. and you're going, you know, I, I, I believe that, um, the energy with that person that you're connected to, that connective tissue that's between you and a friend or you and your partner, or you and your child gets you, gets your head and your heart together yes. so that you can have these awakenings. And then someone there that's with you is validating that experience that is all, all yours. I mean, they're having their own experience, but yeah, it's, it's very validating and that, you, the energy piece, um, knowing that you're with someone safe and they, they love you so much that you can open up like a flower and someone else is there to witness it and they see the flower. Yes, exactly. I think our thing. relationships are the closest thing we have to to the experience of God on yes. this planet. I mean, it's what we have, you know, that's that's real and that's yes opening up like a flower and someone else is there with you to notice that it's important Mm -hmm. very important and something in that for especially men i'm going to speak for men because uh, we all have ego issues you know we need our egos but for men i think in particular it's it's a real challenge there because we can't get to that level of loving uh, with our ego in the way. Yes. Truly. It has, it, it, um, it truly, and this is going to sound strange to some people when they hear it, but it truly has to die. And we have to be the, um, we have to be the willing executioner. No. <laughs> We, we have to put ego aside so that what's in us deeper, our core, our soul, can breathe. 
yeah and and can really love can shine can can be uh and it's such a weird it is such a weird but miraculous uh kind of experience uh to to realize that to, to be awakened to that and to actually do it and it's a process it's a process uh, uh you know we need our egos to function we, right. we 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 can't do without them in this world uh so it's a process it's a process of staying connected to our inner deeper selves and setting ego aside the the author wayne dyer uses ego as an acronym for edging god out <laughs> uh, where, where where ego is there's no room right. for for god in the heart because the ego is a self-promoter yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> as we see as we witness these days uh in in spectacular colors <laughs> <laughs> yes. oh yeah <laughs> No names mentioned. Right. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead, Sherry. I'm sorry. Oh, I was just saying that we we had a witness 24/7 to that egoic display. We're we're learning what not to be and and what doesn't yeah. connect us, what divides us. But I'm afraid that's a whole different program. So we'll do a whole other show just on that. <laughs> yes. Or four. Oh. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, I'm, I am excited about continuing to do these with both of you. This is, I, I, this is like the meat of life for me. So thank you both, um, Dr. George Simon, Dr. Sherry Simon. Where can people find out more about the both of you? Well, you know, I have a blog at uh, drgeorgesimon.com or manipulative-people.com. Uh, it's got information, um, unfortunately, a lot more on me uh, <laughs> than on Dr. Sherry, uh, and it's got information about my books and stuff like that, too. But I can tell you that uh, the posts, the weekly posts there, especially all the ones on relationships, everything there comes from personal experience. And I've got to tell you, there's no person on the planet that has helped me grow more than my dear wife of 37 years mm. she's been my soulmate my partner through everything and uh my witness mm. um she's she's been everything so if you want to learn about her what i i i, I one of the things that i would uh would love if you would do sherry i'm just gonna get this out there she's a fantastic poet and she's oh. written Oh, she's written some absolutely <laughs> remarkable Those are things. Through, that's through the eyes of love. Right no, it's there. not. <laughs> uh, let, let me just, let me just, this is the honest truth. I, 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 I've, I've looked at some of her poetry uh, many, many times. And each time, it, it's kind of like when, when, when you uh, study scriptures or any, any great writings or, or read a great read, you know, you, you, you pick it up again and you see something different. Um, I just thought I appreciated some of the stuff that she's written before, but every time I see it, I think, you know what? She's even deeper than I thought last time. <laughs> I looked at this. So, what I'd like to see her do is post some yeah. of that stuff online. Yeah. yeah. 
absolutely. In answer to that question about how to how to learn more about us, I am actually not out there as a presence, other than a couple of articles that I've written that are out there. So if you Google me, uh, Dr. Cheryl C H E R Y L Simon, which is my real name, I'll explain more about that later. Uh, I, I much prefer Sherry, but under Dr. Cheryl Simon, you'll see a couple of articles I've written, but there's not really a central place where you can find out about me. So we'll uh, we'll see how that how that goes over time. I evolve, yes, exactly. Well, there will be on those on my website. So there you go. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you both. Stay on. We'll, we'll talk for a couple seconds after, but thank you for doing this show, and I can't wait for the next one. Thank you. Thanks, Kristen, so much for having us. And thank you to our listening family for tuning in to Character Matters on Mental Health News Radio. Hi, this is Dr. Paul Meyer, founder of the National Chain of Meyer Clinics. I've often told you about how people just like you are getting the healing that they need from emotional issues like depression, anxiety, anger problems, and relational problems. We wanted to share with you Mickey's experience at our day program and how it has affected his life. The Meyer Clinics has been a real blessing to me. Dr. Meyer told me that people get well here and my life has been completely changed. I have been symptom-free for three years, and I'd recommend it to anybody that really wants to overcome an emotional problem of any kind. Mickey's story is like so many others that we receive. It's an encouragement to us, and we hope it will also be an encouragement to you to call us to get the emotional help that you've needed. Please call toll-free 888-7-CLINIC to be connected to the Meyer Clinic program nearest you. That's 1-888-7-CLINIC or go to MeyerClinics.com. That's www.meierclinics.com. Thanks so much for listening to Mental Health News Radio. Our podcast can be found on iTunes, Stitcher, and hundreds of other podcast apps. Or you can visit our website at mentalhealthnewsradio.com. If you have a question or would like to be a guest, become a podcaster on our network, or join the amazing organizations that help keep us on the air, please email us at info at mhnrnetwork.com. Get ready for that special goodbye from our resident therapy dog, Miles, and a special thanks to Emily Sohn for letting us use her incredible song, Cordial, for our podcast music. Listen to the full song on SoundCloud at emily.sonne. Don't be surprised when I don't hate on you. After all we promised, we'd be cordial.